Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 78, The Dispensation of Grace, Part 1. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell, where we are revealing truths that the world doesn't want you to know, and I'm here with... Zena, are you guys ready to swallow the red pill? I think they're ready today. We've had some pretty interesting uh, replies already to the mystery of the rapture. Yeah, of the rapture series. We did a two-part series, and uh, part two um, is actually out today. Awesome sauce. Yeah, so we're already getting some interesting feedback. And uh, remember when we started talking about the, the rapture, Zena, we talked about there's a lot of people that don't believe in it. Yes. And they think it's whatever. But um, uh, I think one of the main reasons why people either don't believe it or don't study it uh, is because one of the greatest mysteries in the Bible, now I wouldn't say the greatest mystery, but one of the mysteries that is key to understanding the Bible is something that the Apostle Paul called the dispensation of grace. I've heard you say this word. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to ask me what it meant, I would say, I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So I get we could call the title the mystery of the dispensation of grace, but it's so long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to call it the dispensation of grace. So um, we're going to dive into that. And I would say that to me, this is the key to understanding all of the Bible. Okay. It doesn't mean that you're going to always, you know, read any passage and go, oh, I got it. I know what that means. Because the Bible is just constantly unfolding for us. But I think as far as the basics are concerned, it's one of the most important things we can do. So we're going to talk about that term. And in the first passage, we're going to read. And then we're going to get into some things. And I am going to suggest that this is probably going to be about a three-part series. Okay. Because it's that meaty, and it, it's a little bit theological, but I don't want to make it like a super intense, deep Bible study. Uh, I, I want to make it more uh, an introductory type thing so that anybody can go, oh, yeah, I see that, instead of feel like, oh, I'd have to go to seminary to get that, you know, because <laughs> that's really not what we're trying to do here. Okay? So if you're ready to dive in. I am ready. Just have a quick question. Sure. You said that this kind of, the dispensation of grace, mm-hmm. um, are you saying this is kind of like a broad summary of the Bible or it is the summary of the Bible? It's a great question. The dispensation of grace, as we're going to see in just a moment when we define the term, is really, it's an oversimplification to say this, but we're dealing with a period of time in which something's going to take place and then it's going to end. Okay. And when it ends, that dispensation will end, 
And uh, but understanding that this thing that is got a beginning and got an end, because it's not referring to simply a time, but it occurs in time. Okay, because it has a beginning and an ending, it's inserted into like the middle of a prophetic truth that we've already discussed. Okay. So that's one of the reasons you've heard me mention it before, and we've actually talked a tiny bit about it before, only in the context of saying, like we talked about the 70 weeks of Daniel and how that prophecy is going to lay out. But there, 69 of the weeks were fulfilled, and the 70th week has yet to be fulfilled. It's a future event. In between the end of the 69th week, week and the beginning of the 70th week, the dispensation of grace occurs. And so when students of the Bible don't acknowledge that event and how it was inserted into the middle of this program, then they don't get the rest of the Bible. They grab things that are meant for one group and they apply it to themselves. And you can't just willy-nilly go into the Bible like it's a cafeteria. I'll have a little bit of that, a little bit of that. You know? So we're going to find another term that we're going to use in association with the dispensation of grace, and it's called rightly dividing the word of truth. And it has to do with <laughs> correctly separating and putting the pieces where they belong. Okay. Okay. So now that I've kind of given you all this mysterious explanation, right. <laughs> we'll get into the meaning of okay. it, right? So let's see what that does. And we'll start in the book of Ephesians, and it's chapter 3, and this is one of the epistles that Paul wrote when he was in prison. Okay. So as a prisoner, he writes this, and that's why he says in verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Now, I know you've heard me talk about Gentiles and Jews. Yes. And there's a difference. Jews are Jews, mm -hmm. people from Israel, and Gentiles are non-Israel. So we are Gentiles. Yeah, like you and I would be considered Gentiles unless one of us converted to Judaism. Okay. And we were still born a Gentile, but now we are practicing as a Jew. And anybody can convert, you know. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> But really, if you think about it, genetically speaking, we're Gentiles. Okay. And, and Israel is Jews. So he says, if you've heard... I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. So he was given by God to go to Gentiles. And that's going to become important later. But he says, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. And it's an old way of saying it was given to me to give to you. Okay. So there's the word, dispensation of grace. So it wasn't something I created or invented. It's right there in the Bible. But it's tied to a mystery. And that's why he says, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. So the dispensation of grace is a mystery, or it's tied to a mystery. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's about to explain as he continues. Okay. Verse 5, this mystery, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So he's basically saying that this mystery involving the dispensation of grace, other prophets didn't know about this. In the past, nobody understood this. It wasn't revealed for them to know this. It's being revealed now. And he says, what is it? And here's the mystery, verse 6, that the Gentiles, people like us, mm -hmm. should be fellow heirs. You know what an heir is, right? H-E-I-R-S. Yes. That's and like royalty. Well, or even if it wasn't royalty, it was somebody who has an inheritance. Yeah. So let's say you might not be from a royal family, but let's say you had an uncle who passed, and in his will, he left you a million dollars. 
Well, that'd be so nice. Wouldn't that be nice? Thank you. So he may not have been the king of a country, but he left you a nice heir, Mm -hmm. uh, inheritance, right? (laughs) So he says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, heirs together, and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So we'll get to the gospel, the good news, in a little bit. But... My question would be when I read that, okay, if this is the mystery, he's saying the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Heirs together with who? Fellow heirs. Yeah. Just each other, mm-hmm. right? But and of the same body, of the same body of each other. And by body, he means the church, a spiritual body. Okay. You know, we're not inhabiting one physical body. And partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So it would it begs the question... Who are we in a joint body with? Who are we fellow heirs with? Who are we partakers with? Well, since the Gentiles, in a sense, are like the Johnny-come-latelys to salvation, because it was offered to Israel first, as Mm -hmm. we're going to see later, then the answer would have to be they're going to be fellow heirs with Israel, fellow heirs with believers that have already trusted. Now, here's some Gentiles who historically were idol worshipers. They were pagans. They didn't know who God was. They worshipped idols and not the, the followed the Ten Commandments or whatever the Jews had. So they were viewed by the Jews as heathen. And as much as it pains me to say this, the very word Gentile literally means heathen. Really? <laughs> yeah. So in a sense, <laughs> when somebody says you're a Gentile, and I'm saying, yes, that's true, genetically speaking, I'm not Jewish, but I'm not a heathen. Yeah. yeah. I don't worship idols because I'm now in Christ. So the distinction is erased when you trust Christ. Even though you were born a Gentile, you're now in Christ, and that distinction doesn't matter. Okay. okay. So, But it, it's literally the word, and, and we get our term from, from the word. Uh, the, the word Gentile in Greek is ethnos. And words that we use in English today are like ethnic, ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with, again, your genetic makeup. But from Israel's perspective, over the centuries, that word for them was in Hebrew. Ethnos was the word in Hebrew, goyim, or goy. And it literally meant something akin to less than cattle. Wow. So they viewed all the other nations. It had nothing to do with uh, uh, race, nationality, or, or pedigree, or anything like that. It, and it did, or location for that matter, it had strictly to do with did they worship idols? And since most of the world did, they were goyim. They were less than less cattle. Less than cattle. They Wowzers. were the heathen. Okay. So it was it wasn't a matter of um of race or cultural or um uh genetic classification to them. It was if you don't believe in the one true God, you're a heathen. Yeah, and that that was the that was the line they drew. So they said um, that, or Paul rather, is saying the Gentiles are going to be fellow heirs into the same body, and it's like a uniting together of two groups that used to be historically completely opposite of mm-hmm. each other, right? And then finally, verse seven, whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power, uh, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see, and all men is like without distinction. At this point, he's not just saying only males. He's saying all men, no matter who they are, okay? To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, 
the one we just read, mm-hmm. that Gentiles should be fellow heirs. The fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now we come to a word, fellowship. And let's say um, fellowship is like fellows in a ship. Okay. You know, if, if the Titanic sank and everybody gets in a lifeboat, at that point forward, it really doesn't matter where you came from. You're trying to survive yes. in a lifeboat. So you might have been in first class and I was in third class. <laughs> but in that lifeboat, we don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. We just want to get through the you know, yes. to get rescued. So fellowship is sort of like the communion together. And that means our distinctions are erased now. We don't in Christ there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free. So we're all one in Christ. And so that's all part of this mystery. Well, that's all beautiful. And it's very much what what most Christian churches and denominations essentially preach. There's obviously variations of that, mm-hmm. but they essentially preach that. And I got to look at my time. I forgot. I, I know I started at 640. So 30 minutes later is six is 710, right? Yes. Okay. Thank you. So it's <laughs> 720 is when I want to end. Okay. <laughs> I go long folks so much. I have to get, I had to get a big clock to show me when I started <laughs> trying to get these messages down to a shorter period of time. All right. So given that that's the gist of it, what a lot of Christianity doesn't realize is it wasn't always that way. And it didn't start that way, even with Jesus. Really? Yeah, because we're going to find out that Jesus Christ, when he began his ministry in Israel, he was not sent to Gentiles. That's right. He was only sent to the Jews. That's right. And I think we're going to get to that chapter Mm -hmm. or verse tonight. But for now, let's talk about another phrase that I brought up to you, which is going to be new to some people uh, and hopefully familiar to others, and it's rightly dividing. Okay. Okay. So I mentioned that when we kind of got started in that summary. And so Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I grew up, as an adult, I I taught, or rather was taught, by men that knew this truth. But they taught it in a way that I think was too limiting, and I later learned that. And it was limiting in the sense that they said, rightly dividing the word of truth means taking the 13 epistles that Paul wrote and saying, since he said, I'm sent to the Gentiles, then only that portion of the Bible is for Gentiles and the rest is for Israel. Okay. Now that's an oversimplification of it, but that's the gist of it. I no longer believe that's true because all the Bible's for us. But Paul did specifically write some things to the church, which is made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And he is the apostle of the Gentiles. But rightly dividing the word of truth doesn't mean taking just Paul's stuff that he wrote and separating it from the rest of the Bible. And we kind of implied that that's what that meant. But it's not what it means. And we know that now on the basis of another passage. Because when we let the Bible interpret the Bible, we won't mess up. If I don't know what a word means. Now, you could look up a word or you could just say rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, I know what right is. Right and wrong. Mm-hmm. I know what dividing means. You're going to cut a slice of bread. I'm going to give you some, me some. Yeah. You know, and I know what truth is, or at least I thought I did. <laughs> you know, I mean, telling the truth, being honest, or the truth of God. Well, I, I know the definition of those three words, 
But is that what the Bible means when it says rightly dividing the word of truth? Can I just take the definitions and pick them and go, all right, well, I'll form my own opinion about that. Or is there another place where the term is used that I could compare another scripture and go, oh, that's what he meant. I'm going to go with the second one. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that, that would be a good bet. I would take that bet. Well, we'll go to Ephesians chapter 1, right back where we started with Paul, except just the two chapters earlier. And he literally said these words in verse one, chapter 1, verse 12. He was talking about himself and some others who were already believers in Jesus when he said that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now, he's writing this letter to Ephesians, a city called Ephesus, where there were a bunch of believers there, too, that Paul had never met. And they were Gentiles. They happened to be former pagan heathen worshipers. Right? He, the word heathen. <laughs> but they were heathen. <laughs> and they heard the gospel through somebody, and mm -hmm. they believed. And Paul heard about it, and he said, I need to write to them and encourage them. So he says, we who first trusted, verse 13, in whom you also trusted. After that, you heard the word of truth. Well, we just read that, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then in the sentence, there's a comma, and it says, the gospel of your salvation. Well, the gospel of their salvation was Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. That is the good news. Without that, there's no salvation. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so... In effect, I could say, study to show thyself approved unto, approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the gospel of your salvation. And it would match the definition of this verse. But does he mean we're going to go take the gospel and chop it into pieces? Obviously not, mm -hmm. because that's not the mean. So it has to mean the gospel that would save you and I should be separated from other means of salvation that the Bible may have offered so that we don't confuse the two. And the easy and obvious example to give in comparison would be like the Noah's Ark. Okay. Okay. If you asked me, Scott, what must I do to be saved today? And I said, Zena, you need to build an ark because a great flood is coming. I would like to think you would think I was nuts and you wouldn't do it, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> but that was the only method of salvation at that time. Remember Genesis 6, and the angels came down mm -hmm. and took the daughters of men. So the earth got so wicked, God decided to destroy the earth, and the only ones he saved got on the boat with Noah. Well, that was the method of salvation for Noah and his family, but it's not the means by which God is saving men today. Okay. So it's easy to see that I can rightly divide the gospel of my salvation and not say, well, it's the flood of Noah. It's Christ died for your sins. Mm -hmm. But then when you look at all the different churches and different denominational systems, they've taken the gospel and they've added to or taken away bits and pieces to fit their own agendas until ultimately we have so many denominations, everybody's confused. So That's very true. They weren't really rightly dividing the word of truth. They were adding men's ideas and religious tenets and re requirements and whatever mm -hmm. that ultimately caused division. Okay. So they didn't rightly divide the word of truth. They just divided each other. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're of this, we're of that. And they put names on their doors. And instead of just being God's church, it's Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Jehovah's Witness, Catholic, you name it. And, it's and it, there. It's not to, it's not to criticize any of those groups. It's just to say they're not united. Mm -hmm. They're not together. So in, back to 2 Timothy again, chapter 2. As we're gonna, uh, this is like I said, more of an introduction in this first episode because it's deep enough to where, and I've even told Zena before we started, we'll probably make this a three-parter, you know. Uh, <clears throat> 
But in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, verse 7, Paul said, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Now, think about that statement for a minute. If I had said that to you, Zena, if you just listen to me, God will give you all the understanding you ever need. Wouldn't you think that's a little arrogant? I would, but I mean, I, I grew up with the <clears throat> family members who would say, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> so I would probably listen to you if you said that. Well, I would not. I would never want you to, number <laughs> one. I would want you to, if, if I had to give you advice like your family gave mm-hmm. you, I would say question everything. <laughs> question everything. <laughs> question everything. I, I want a healthy dose of skepticism from anybody, you know, because... There's too many deceivers out there. That's true. You don't you don't know that I couldn't be one of them if you don't know me. You know, so um, but Paul making the statement since he's writing the scriptures and it's the Holy Spirit talking through him, it has to be true. He's not speaking from a standpoint of arrogance or pride. I'm so smart. Just listen to me. Mm-hmm. He's essentially saying to me, "Look, God appointed me to give you some truth, and if you consider what I said." The Lord will give you understanding in all things. Now, he doesn't mean like if you read Paul's letters, you're going to learn how to be a great physical therapist, you know, <laughs> or I'm going to learn how to do my job. Yeah. Or we're both going to learn how to make a million dollars, you know. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed, but to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. He's saying (laughs) he's going to give you understanding in all things spiritual. Okay. Which means that for me to understand the Bible, whether it's the book of Genesis, whether it's the prophet Isaiah, whether it's the Psalms or the Gospel of Matthew or the book of Revelation... Mm -hmm. The way I need to view that is through the lens of what Paul wrote. Paul, being the apostle of the Gentiles and me not being Jewish, I can't just pick up a Hebrew Bible and read it and go, oh, I get it. You know, uh, I only know English and barely that, (laughs) right? But if I understand uh, what Paul wrote, then he's going to help me understand the rest of the scriptures. Okay. Because these things are spiritually discerned. And Paul was given the Spirit of God to impart it to us in in the way of understanding, not Mm -hmm. to like Christ breathing on them. And then he also said something else that's akin to that in another letter he wrote, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. And he says, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. He's not saying, follow me. He didn't die on a cross. Paul isn't the Savior. 
Paul didn't even establish a, a church in his name. He established churches in the names of Jesus Christ, or mm -hmm. the name of Jesus Christ. So he said, follow me as I follow Christ. So if we want to follow Jesus, a lot of people say, I believe in following Jesus. And then they read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they think, because those have the red letters, right? Yes. You ever heard of a red letter Bible? <clears throat> yes, but I never understood it. Well, it just means that the printers decided all the ink is black. But whenever Jesus spoke literally when he was alive on the earth, they put his letters in red. Okay. So when you're reading and all of a sudden you see the red ink, you go, oh, this is Jesus talking directly to somebody. Okay. Okay. They get it wrong, by the way, because if it was a red letter Bible in truth, it would be read from Genesis to Revelation. The whole Bible is the word of God. Yeah. And it's Jesus speaking every word of it. But if you're just talking about the words that he spoke when he was physically on the earth, I can get that. But it's not like those words and those words alone are the real truth above anything else in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Because in fact, as you mentioned earlier, he said he was not sent to Gentiles. So if you read that, and it would be in red letters, mm -hmm. <laughs> you would almost have to go as a Gentile, oh, well, then he wasn't talking to me. Right. And then that puts your whole perspective on... Because we're heathens. Yeah, because we're heathen. That's right. So if we're going to allow for the fact that Paul said, consider what I say, the Lord give the understanding in all things. And he said, follow me as I follow Christ. So he sets the pattern for us. And then he says, we're to study and rightly divide the word of truth. Then that begins our approach at understanding scripture. We should be able to read the Bible with those things in mind as we look at every word we read mm -hmm. and consider them for the understanding. And if we do that, we'll eventually get the right understanding. So let's start with the basic, which is the gospel itself. You know, Paul was given the gospel of our salvation, the word of truth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, he wrote these words. And this is just to summarize in two verses what the gospel is. He said, for I delivered unto you, to you Corinthians, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So that's the basis of the gospel. He died, was buried, and he rose again, mm -hmm. and he died for sins. And in doing so, he paid for them, paid for the sins. Now, the thing that's going to become important is that this gospel, he said, is in the scriptures. Now, when we think about it, <clears throat> when Paul lived and wrote these words, there had been over 1,500 years of Scripture of the Hebrew Bible. So, and even though he, as he writes this, the Spirit is inspiring him to do so, and it became Scripture, when he said Christ for our, died for our sins according to the Scriptures, he would have to mean being a Jewish person himself, the ancient scriptures, mm -hmm. the ones that have been around for 1,500 years. So would you agree with me that that must mean that somewhere in the Hebrew Bible, I could find the truth about Christ dying for sins? Yes. And being raised again the third day? Yes. It's the central point of the whole Bible, mm -hmm. including the Hebrew Bible. So uh, there are many people that would maybe disagree with that, perhaps people that are Jewish. They don't believe in Jesus as Messiah, and they could read passages of Scripture that are clearly fulfilled and about Christ when we look at it from the New Testament perspective. But to them, they go, I don't see it. I don't see him there. You know, it, He's speaking of somebody else, mm -hmm. and they're looking for a future Messiah or, or whatever. They, they could also just be an atheist or you know, any, any number of reasons. Yeah. But we're, we contend that, no, if Paul said that, then that means that 
the truth of Christ dying for sins is in the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, including the Old Testament. And if we rightly divide, we can find it mm-hmm. and we can see it. And therefore, if, and, and kind of what prompted this whole series was since we talked about the rapture and those that don't agree with it, and we talked about people that have written me and they said, I want to debate you about this, or I want you to debate about the, yeah. the, the rapture. And the, one of the reasons I don't do that is not because I fear them or because um, I don't feel like I could defend my position. And as a matter of fact, if you, if you talk to my wife, you'd know I'm mean as a snake. And if I actually did debate you, I would, you would run away crying. Because I'm mean, you know, I'm not mean to Zena because she's so sweet, but, <laughs> but I'd be mean to you. <laughs> and by that, I mean that I, I don't want to ever engage in debate because it becomes such an adversarial thing. Yeah. And if you back me into a corner, I'm going to lash out mm-hmm. and I'll lose my composure and whatever. So that's one reason. But the other reason is because it wouldn't do any good if you don't understand what I understand about right division. Yeah then we're not going to get to the point where we can have this conversation because if you don't see that, then none of the rest is going to make sense to yeah. you. Yeah. And, and that's the foundation upon which I stand. So we started off talking about Ephesians, and Paul said the dispensation of grace, and it was a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's not the first and only time he mentioned it being a mystery. Uh, to, to sort of start to conclude this, I'm going to go to the book of Colossians, this first um episode of the dispensation of grace and chapter one, verse 25, where we read very similar words. Paul wrote a different letter to a different city and a different church, which was called Colossae, but they were also Gentiles and heathens that converted. Okay. Like the Ephesians. So it's a similar wording, a little bit different, but it's basically saying the same thing. And he says this, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So he didn't say grace, but he'd mentioned grace earlier, and he he did use the word dispensation. And, you know, I probably should have asked this question when we started, but dispensation, the root of that word is dispense. So if I said to you, hey, Zena, can you dispense those donuts? What would you think I meant? Pass them out. Pass them out. Give them out around. Okay. So a dispensation is the passing out of something. Well, in Ephesians, Paul said it was of grace. So grace is being dispensed by God right now. Now, if I said, um, well, let's say you own a donut shop. Okay. And so you get up every morning at four and you bake the donuts fresh and they're ready (laughs) by six. But by noon, you shut down because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, donut shops don't stay open all day. No. Right. So they get up early and they make the donuts. They're available from 6 to, say, noon. And then they close. So that's the working hours of your bakery. Mm-hmm. But I could also say, in a funny way, the dispensations of Zena's donuts is from 6 a.m. to noon. Okay. And I would be correct. That's when you're selling them and dispensing mm-hmm. them. Okay. So there's a time associated with the dispensation, even though a dispensation itself is not time. It's an action. Okay. Okay. So then... The dispensation of grace began with Paul. And during since that time, grace has been dispensed. Now, what is grace? So grace is unmerited favor. Okay. I don't deserve to be saved. Okay. And neither do you or anybody else for that matter. In the sense of we're sinners and we, we're no good. Okay. You're just born that way. It does, you're a better person than others. It's not comparing me to you or anybody else. Mm-hmm. It's that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. 
So grace is God said, well, you know, in spite of that, I'm going to love them and send my son to die for them anyway. Okay. So that was grace. He gave, he showed grace when he sent Jesus to die for our sins and offered us the gift to believe on him. And those of us who did receive the grace became saved and are now fellow heirs and part of the same body. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in verse 25, he says, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery. There's that word again. A mystery is a secret. Yes. Right. Even the mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Manifest means like it's spread abroad, mm -hmm. like published made known, broadcast, everybody can hear, okay? It's now made manifest, so now the cat's out the bag, everybody can hear, right? <laughs> to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, implying that in time past, Gentiles didn't have any hope. Yes. They worshiped idols. God gave them up to vile affections. Our salvation and the dispensation of grace was a mystery that God would save Gentiles. For 1,500 years, Israel thought, we're God's people, we're his priesthood, Gentiles come to God through us. And that's how it was. But when Israel refused to obey God and finally rejected his, the king, Messiah, God said, fine, I'll offer salvation to the world without them until they acknowledge their offense and I'll turn my face back to them. So the dispensation of grace began when Israel rejected and God hid his face. But before he did that, he appointed this man, Paul, who was the worst guy. He used to be Saul, the persecutor, Saul, yeah. the blasphemer. He was the bad guy. He was the Osama bin Laden of his time. <laughs> <laughs> and God literally met him directly. He didn't send a preacher to him. He was riding to Damascus from Jerusalem and he met him in in the way, and he came and appeared at brighter than the sun, and he struck him down, and he said, you, I need you. Yeah. You're the worst, <laughs> I want you. I'm going to prove that I can save the worst. And so he did. And the man who was Saul became Paul. Okay. Paul the Apostle. So you mentioned this, so in closing, I want to leave a little bit of a teaser for the listeners to think about, because you mentioned in Matthew chapter 10 was the passage, and we're going to delve, delve into this a little bit more detail next week. But Jesus began his ministry in the book of Matthew, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was his physical ministry to the nation Israel. And in chapter 10, verse 5, we read these words. After naming the different 12 men that he appointed to be his apostles. Yes. Which Paul was not one yet. In fact, he wasn't one of the 12 at all. He was a 13th apostle. Mm -hmm. But the 12 that you've heard of, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, whatever. And that really bad one. <laughs> and that really bad one, Judas. <laughs> and Luke actually wasn't an apostle. I just said that jokingly. But it says, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, and here's what he said to the apostles, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now I'm going to stop there and just close with these couple of words. We know what Gentiles are. We talked about that. Yes. Samaritans, that's another political thing, but it's kind of like this. Many, many years before, Israel uh, sinned and did something bad, and the kingdom was split. So rather than being 12 united tribes, they became two and ten. Okay. And the two were in the south, and that region became known as Judah. So the word Jew really comes from Judea, Judea, a Judean. 
And uh, so we say the word Jew, but it's really short for Judean or somebody from Judah. But there were actually two tribes. It was Judah and Benjamin, but they were so united together, it was called Judah. The other 10 tribes uh, were the majority of the nation, so they kept the name Israel for a time. But they rebelled, and they did worse at first than Judah did. Judah eventually caught up with them, and they did bad too. But when they did bad and they were punished, uh, and later they came back into the land, they were called Samaritans. So the land became known as Samaria. It was still northern Israel, but it became Samaria. And that name became synonymous like heathen. Okay. Was, if you were Samaritan, a Jew would go, oh, don't get near me. Mm-hmm. You have cooties, you know. Oh. <laughs> you're a sinner. You're worse than, you're almost as bad as a Gentile, you know. Oh. Yeah. That was their attitude. So Jesus is saying to the 12, don't go to Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, which at this point was just Judah and Benjamin. And when you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His message was not Christ died for your sins, was buried and raised again. He's standing there talking. Mm-hmm. He hasn't died yet. So there's no way the message he's preaching to Israel is the same thing that God gave Paul to preach. Okay. Because Paul preached Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus is saying, preach for the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To the Jews only. And it doesn't involve his death yet. And so it was a different message. Had Israel accepted him as the king, they would have gone into the kingdom. And there would have been a completely different salvation program, as far as we know. Yeah. But that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. We know they rejected him. They know they crucified him. And he rose from the dead and revealed, well, you thought you killed me. You thought you got rid of me. But what you really did was provided salvation to the Gentiles without you, through me, through my shed blood, which I'm going to go find another guy to send that message through. And it was Paul. Okay, so just double-checking. Yeah. Jesus preached to Jews only with his 12 uh, disciples, mm-hmm. and Paul preached to Gentiles. Yeah, and he preached to Jews too, but he was the first one sent to Gentiles with that specific message. Did he also preach to the Sumerians as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, He would have preached to anybody. Okay. Yeah, because at that point, Paul was told, you're going to go to everyone. Okay. Whereas the 12 were specifically told to go to Israel only at first. Mm -hmm. And then when Israel began to reject it, that message went into a mystery form. And then he kept it among his disciples only. And then after he died and rose, because he couldn't tell them what he had to do. Mm -hmm. That was a mystery too, that he would die. But once he rose again and they went, oh, we thought all hope was lost. Now he's alive. Let's go back to Israel. And Jesus basically said, no, I got a new plan. We're not going to deal with them again until the end of the dispensation of grace. He didn't say it like that yeah. to them because they didn't know what that meant yet. He was he never revealed that until he told it to Paul, and Paul eventually explained it to them. But at that time, he did tell them, hold your horses. It's not for you to know the times. I'll tell you what to do later. Yeah. And that kind of made them go, okay, well, we'll just do what, we, what you told us to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. And they kept on with that program until basically they were killed, you know? Because they were persecuted by other Jews and the Roman Empire and everything else. So we'll come back next week and we'll do part two of the Dispensation of Grace. Now that we've sort of laid the foundation for it. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into how it evolved and grew and where it went from there. And then how it looks like we're very close to the end of it. 
and the rapture is going to be the thing that Phew. cuts it off. And that's why I believe in the rapture, you know, but yeah. we'll, we'll go through whole, that whole thing so that the rest of it will make sense. So thanks, Zena, for your questions. I try. <laughs> you, you try well. And then Lord willing, we'll come back next week with episode two of the Dispensation of Grace, and I'll give you some more. But this should be a lot to think about. And then, of course, um, we're starting to post the show notes uh, in YouTube and on the, uh, on the Captivate website. So if you want to go back and get these scripture references, I'll have them up there for you. Awesome. So thanks for listening. Thank you guys always for joining us here every week. If you like us, please go ahead and share and subscribe. Leave a comment down below something new that you've learned or something you would like us to talk about. Right. And listen, once again, as always, thank you for your donations, for your support, for your prayers, and for subscribing and telling others about us. We keep growing. We're close to 58,000 now. Holy moly. Listeners. And, uh, and the YouTube channel is growing too because that's really where more people are starting to go watch the video so they can see our lovely faces. Ta-da! <laughs> so once again, Zena, thank you as always. Thank you for having me as always. I'll see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.